the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Friday edition of the podcast, and that means we're going to be joined by John Colosimo in just a moment. Quick reminder of what's up on the website. We've had some good things go up over the last few days. We had an analytics study by Anthony Reinhardt who put out a, do the Browns even really care about the interior defensive line? We've had questions about this. We're still having questions about this as they have so few options currently on the roster. They have not signed a veteran player. The draft is still out there. They could go get somebody, but at the top end of that commitment is only pick 44 unless they move up, which we don't think they will move up given how few picks they have over the next three years. So the question becomes, have we kind of viewed the interior defensive line the way we've been viewing linebacker? Now the Browns are just saying, hey, we can get you know, pretty much anybody to play interior defensive line at a minimum level and be okay. If we have strong defensive end play, if we have strong linebackers, coverage guys, and safeties, that's an interesting thing, something I don't think we have framed. So I wanted to get Anthony Reinhardt to look into what sort of commitment the Browns have had. And from Sashi to Andrew Barry, the philosophy has been, you know, very minimal commitment here. Very, very minimal. The Sheldon Richardson deal, that was a John Dorsey deal. So again, in there, very interesting for you subscribers. Check that out. Uh, reminder, I unlocked the Amari Cooper film room. So make sure you check that out. That is uh, loaded with a ton of clips. Now you can, anybody can check that. It's over a week that's been up. So make sure you go and check out what kind of wide receiver, the different alignments, the different techniques he uses to get off the line of scrimmage. And I really do think like he's a, He's a really good version with more speed, burst, acceleration of Jarvis Landry. Like he does more things from an athletic standpoint, but they play the game in a very similar way. So check that out. It's a lot there. Also put up the Chase Winovich film room, which is uh, full of his pass rush production, what he does, how he gets after the quarterback. That's up for VIP subscribers. And then we did tackle as well from Corey Kennan, day two defensive tackle options, the Logan Halls, the uh, Travis Jones, a lot of good stuff there from Corey about those targets as we're going to start to try to pin down pick 44. So great stuff up. Um, reminder of what we've had recently. Jeff Risden came on with his names for pick 44 and a little bit of intel in the Detroit Lions, big decisions and whether they could be tied to Baker or not. That was just up yesterday and then had some good conversations earlier in the week with Jared Mueller. And we did a live mock draft against the fans on Twitch. That was good as well. So check all that content out. If you missed it, a lot of stuff going on as we creep toward April 1st here um, as John and I are getting together at late here on Thursday night, and this will be listened to you guys by April 1st at the minimum. So we have turned over into the month of the draft and things are going to get really, really focused on what they do at 4478 and the opportunities built in around that. And hopefully we have some answers about players around them going into the draft and a reminder that Jadevian Clowney did not sign last year until April 14th. So that means obviously there could still be quite a few things that have a huge ripple effect on the roster coming. Um, but there are still some big roster points that I want to discuss with John. Haven't talked to John. Listen, I got to start off with this, John. We're going to hit right off the bat, man. First of all, welcome in. Second, as you answer this question, or sorry, as you welcome yourself to this, po I need to know your Batman thoughts. We've not actually got there. This is a conversation that's like three weeks in the making. I got to know your, I got two questions around this. First, what's your score out of 10? And then we'll go from there with my follow-up questions. All right. Uh, yeah, well, great to be back, first of all. Second, uh, my... My grade out of 10, I think I go 8.5. I like it. I like it. Okay. So 8.5, pretty strong considering that this is a saturated. That's a, that's something I think about. This is a very saturated movie for sure. topic. We didn't know and, we and needed it. We didn't know we needed it in hitting on a, on a, on a topic like this after we saw the DC thing, try it with Aflac after like going after Christopher Nolan's mantle is tough. Like, in anything 
So going after that and trying to, and like, there was the whole thing about Matt Reeves telling him, I'm going to top your version. I did something here. It was, it was, it was unlike anything I've seen before in this, uh, in this market from anybody from, from, from Marvel or anyone. And it was, man, it was, it was really, really unique. What did you, what did you like about it? We'll be concise with this. Cause I know this is not a movie pod, but I, I need to know what you liked and what you didn't like. All right. I'll tell you what, what, uh, what I really liked, uh, they had a nice in one movie, they had a really nice arc for the character. There was a change from the start to the finish. It was very clean in that, in that sense. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed that there was no fake voice. Um, that was always the thing that bothered me most about the Nolan movies. Yeah, dude. They got worse as yeah, it went. It did. Oh, God. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. I think they did a good job with the score. Um, they they rocked some Nirvana, which I, I, don't, I don't know when. The, I don't recall another movie even bringing Nirvana in. They brought it in the beginning. They brought it in the end. I liked how they tied that back. So I liked the score. Um, the, uh, I don't know if filter is the right, um, word for it, but I liked how the shots, um, captured the movie. Like, uh, you know, when I talk about filters, I think like the greatest example of that is like, Oh brother, where art thou? It's like mm-hmm. aw- awesome filter. Like that absolutely, uh, makes a difference in the movie. And I, it wasn't to that extent, but there was a, you know, in my mind, a, an effect there from say the shot filter. Um, so I liked those elements of it. Um, I think those would be my main punches in terms of they, what I like most. They made a movie that was rainy and dark still yeah. look pretty, which is wild. Um, I'm really excited for where it's going. Uh, and, and, and man, did they make, I do appreciate that they made, you know, Barry Keegan, if you watch the extended deleted scene with him as the Joker, like they actually made him look like he fell into a vat of acid. Like that was, uh, that was cool. I, I hope two things. I hope you let me know. What you think, I hope they bring in Robin. I think Robin's a really cool character and we haven't had a well done Robin and ever, ever. It would be really cool to see them bring in a Robin in this one, because that would be different than Nolan. Um, you know, they kind of just flirted with it there at the end, but never really got it in there and that like to the character and then yeah man like making the joker look like he went through hell right would would uh would be a different twist on the character too and i thought that those things are really really exciting uh for where where they're going and there was a fun quote from reeves yesterday or the day before about about bruce wayne like not even really knowing how to use the bruce wayne facade you know that that character to to be a fighting weapon He's just been Batman, Batman, Batman. And then like, hey, man, maybe I could also use this rich billionaire thing to to do some good, too. So that was kind of exciting, too. I really do think they're going great places with this. This is a really interesting one where it feels like it has a lot to do with the comic books, but also feels like it has some great elements of realism at the same time. And I didn't know you could mesh those two that well. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. Uh, and call me dense, you know, uh, you know, and you know what I was dealing with, um, you know, just in terms of exhaustion and that kind of stuff. Like I, I barely fit this in on my trip down to KC because I was down there for work. Uh, it's hard for me to go get a movie, but that was the only way I was going to get it done. Uh, so I was absolutely exhausted when I went there. So call me dense, but I didn't get immediately that at the end he was talking to the Joker. 
I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That in his other little uh, in the other cell. Yeah, I, w- I wish they would have put that. You watched the deleted scene, right? Yes, I did. I, I wish they would have put that it. in. Yeah, yeah. Like I, agree. I wish. I don't. I don't know why they didn't. It's interesting. I don't know, man. I guess you you make a movie that's already three hours. You have to make some tough cuts. Fair, <laughs> enough. Know, like, Fair enough. You have to make some tough cuts. But uh, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. I saw it twice. I want to see it again. I know it'll be out on on you know release before too long. But I just loved everything about it, man. The feel of it, and like I didn't think you could top. And I don't know that they topped everything with Nolan. You know, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that I loved those movies at a time in my life where those movies were so unique like i didn't know you could take superhero movies to this place i'll never it's hard to replace those movies but um yeah like like the soundtrack was still up there with zimmer's soundtrack and i didn't think you could ever could ever get there with like the batman theme and all of that stuff man and that like dun, and how it like builds into it like he's walking up the stairs at the very beginning in the slow walk like I, I got to see it again. It's talking about it. I haven't seen it now in like a month. I need to see it again. It was so good. Um, anyway, let's shift off of Batman. Sadly, I guess we have to talk about football. Uh, a couple <laughs> things that you and I have chatted about recently, which is uh, a, a big, a big topic is the contract structure of this, this, this Deshaun Watson deal. And I think what we have to do is we all understand it now. I would hope you understand it now. Cause I've tried to paint the picture on this pot or hopefully you've heard it from some other people smarter than me that this is something Andrew Barry has done. It's not new and it's certainly not new around the NFL. And there was a lot of reaction to this contract that I think looks silly because people wanted to be accusatory of Cleveland being just, 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 uh, you know, gross and nasty about this whole thing and uh, nefarious decision-making Cleveland's doing, but Hey man, this just falls in line with what they've done with a lot of big contracts. So um, the thing though, that people think is going to happen. And I talked about this with Jared the other day, John is, well, now everybody's going to want that, that contract, the guaranteed money. And there's a couple things that I think stop that. First of all, which has been publicly out there and people have talked about it, is the, is the amount of money you have to put in escrow. If you guarantee a deal, money, you have to put that money in escrow. It has to be guaranteed money. It, it has to be there to be given. So if you make a $230 million deal, you have to have the money put away to, to put in escrow to pay out that deal. Right. Not every owner has that. And to so be that's clear, the first thing. Go yeah, ahead. and to be clear, like as an example, this was the major driver for why the Raiders traded Khalil Mack, because when they moved to Las Vegas, they did not have the kind of money. And when we talk about the guaranteed money, usually what we're talking about in that escrow is the the big signing bonus that's prorated over the you know the life of the contract, so it'd be seventy million dollars, whatever yes. it was. The Raiders could not afford that. That was a big driver in the original Khalil Mack trade. Well, people don't understand salary cap, like form, like salary cap projections and actual cash flow. What do you have to pay when it needs to be paid? That's a different thing. People don't understand that. So that's a huge part of it. Everyone's like Herbert and Burrow are going to get these deals and Lamar. It's harder on owners than you think it is to just have 230 million there done, ready, here you go. Like, and another thing too is I think we underestimate the 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 ability to bargain here owners have all the power you you essentially you can hold i mean like lamar's gonna get franchise tagged for three years he's gonna get tagged the franchise tag was literally made to hold quarterbacks yes that's what and and people don't understand the uniqueness of watson he is and i said and again i hope i don't bore you folks if you're listening to this again but like 
it was like an NBA. It was like LeBron's original free agency end of Cleveland. Teams were flying in, meeting with him, having this is like, and it's rare because what you just said, John, the franchise tag makes it so you can't do this. You do not see quarterbacks hit the open market, and teams have a chance to get that guy. It doesn't happen in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. So this is your only example of this. It's rare. It's not normal to have a player who is openly on the market, you know, and obviously the trade element was a big hurdle to jump, but you all were getting your trade packages cleared up before you even went to talk to him. For the most part, we know the Browns kind of got, I don't know if they got jobbed or just wasn't report. I was told it wasn't reported correctly, that additional pick. Uh, it wasn't you know, initially reported from either team the way it needed to be. And it just got lost in translations. Nothing more than that, I guess, air quotes. But like the the the, the point is you were going after this guy knowing two things. Got to give him a new contract. Got to convince him to come to our team. What is free agency, John? That's what it is. So yeah. to me, it was like, this is like, and I'm not saying that, that Watson is the LeBron of the NBA, but it was an example of a premier peak of their powers talent on the open market in the NFL at the most important position. You never see that. So the, 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 the power you have as a person in life to bargain is what you it's, it's your value. And like, you don't, you don't get that for a lot of guys. Most guys in the NFL who hit free agency are either older. Uh, if they're elite, they're old or, or they play positions that are of a non-premium spot. So the money doesn't get crazy, but this was an example. So like Joe Burrow's contract comes up, Hey man, no one's bidding against Paul Brown. No, no one, you know, Mike Brown, sorry. No one's bidding against him. So he's just going to kind of play the game. You can take this money or you can get tagged and we'll figure it out down the line. You don't have this great, great power and you have to understand it. I'm sure a lot of agents are going to be talking to their quarterbacks about, Hey man, I know the Watson deal looks great, but we don't have that bargaining power here. And we don't have an owner that will do that because of literal limitations. So I don't, I think people think this contract is going to change everything. I think it might change some deals, John, like some cheaper deal, like running backs or tight ends where you can guarantee the whole contract. But like, I don't see this gigantic turnaround and structure of deals, partly because there's nobody like this situation is going to come up. Like, I just don't see how this replicates itself in the same way, the owners still have a ton of leverage here. And and I, I think like the Joe Banners of the world and the Lombardis and somebody else, the Bill Polians are freaking out about this thing. And it's like, I don't think it's going to be, it could trickle some, I mean, but we've all, we've always known guaranteed money was the way to get anybody. Kirk Cousins has used it as his form of, well, of, he's of the other negotiation, example, right? right? He's, like I just, yeah. I just think people are like thinking this is going to change everything. And I don't see it necessarily doing that as the, uh, on the scale. People think at least. Okay. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, one, you're hundred percent right. Like the, the people are going to have to be willing to sit to, you know, so whether that's Lamar, whether that's, and I think Lamar is, is the guy to point to here uh, because these other guys at least have another year on him before they're going to have to make these decisions. However, uh, they're going to have to be willing to sit to uh, put the pressure on and, and, you know, and let's not beat around. Well, you know what, we'll get to the, uh, the division later, but what I will say is what I do think is going to be the major um, effect of this is not so much that every quarterback contract is going to be like this, but I do think, the major effect that's going to happen 
is that it will force the change in that rule about the escrow. That's what I think is going to happen. That That is the most major change I think that's going to happen in the near term is that they're going to have to change this escrow rule uh, because that's what's, you know, going to, um, you know, even in a, uh, you know, a league where you have full, you know, not full, but most revenue sharing, um, there are still cash poor teams that cannot put that escrow up. And I think that's the major thing that's going to happen is they're going to force this change to stop that yeah. escrow thing from happening or, or being required in the future. Yeah. If players want that to be a part of things, they do, obviously. Then there has to be a a, a release of restrictions on owners, right, to do it. It takes it from both sides. You, you know, we don't we don't have that money sitting around necessarily unless we own, you know, flying J per pilot, but like, you know what I mean? Like we don't have that money sitting around, so we'll do it. We'll guarantee it, but it has to be in some other form of guarantee, right? Like it just, it just, it's hard for them to and do. So yeah, I think you're right. And it's a league that prints money. So there's really yeah. no reason for that rule. I don't think in this day and age, like, uh, you know, what's, what's the risk here? You think like an owner of a league in this, you know, in this climate is going to go bankrupt and not come correct on the, on the contract there. You know, I think that's a tired uh, rule and I, I think it was bound for a change. And I think that that change will be good for players. Yeah. I think it can be good for both sides. And I don't think we have right. to have panicked owners talking about this as some gigantic negative or who deserves the deal and who doesn't. If you can't understand the parameters of the Watson situation, like, and understand how this situation was unique and like the 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 peak powers uh, baseball players in their you know because even baseball players have to get their accrued seasons they they break in at twenty one they're signing a deal at twenty eight and that's the prime of your baseball life like Bryce Harper you know these guys who sure. who get these giant deals that's still the prime of your baseball life you do not see quarterbacks hit the open market in their twenties and are truly elite guys you don't no, see this it is, this is unique like yes. separating I mean and it's for reasons that we don't need to discuss, but it is a unique situation. You go ahead, you scrub the annals of, uh, of the NFL. You will not find a similar situation. It just doesn't yep. exist. Also, Hey, you got a really good quarterback. You guarantee him a portion of the money and they're really good and they play really well. Guess what happens to the non-guaranteed money? You could kind of, you kind of end up paying it anyway. Yes. So yes. I think that, that Barry, Hey man, I think they thought of this from every angle. Like they do with all of their decisions and said, you know, there are going to be some pissed off owners about this. And I think they said, hey, I don't think we have a ton of advantages as the Cleveland Browns. I think one of them is we have an owner with really deep pockets who will spend no matter what. And uh, you can have a lot of complaints, justifiable complaints about Jimmy Haslam. He'll spend. He will spend. Never question that. And uh, he, you know, we should take advantage of this. And everybody else who can't, well, you, you be damned. I don't care. Right. Like we have to. We should take advantage of what advantages we have. And I don't I don't blame them for it. I don't I really don't blame them from that perspective of a contract. I do not blame them for it whatsoever. So and you know, we're we're go ahead. And just like, you know, to to go into at least one little portion of this, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about Burrow, but I do want to talk about real quick, um, it does affect the Ravens quite a bit. This is a team that has an MVP. Um you know, a, a literal Cincy too. I mean, uh, Cincy too, but like yeah. the, the difference being that the Ravens have not committed 
already before this, right? So they were already unwilling to say match a uh, an Allen contract. Um, now they have quite a bit of added pressure on top of that. I don't know what happens with Lamar. I mean, I assume that they're going to get forced into paying him whatever he wants. But I do think it's an interesting dynamic that this is a guy like you talk about, like the non-committal for Baker. That's an MVP, and they have not committed to him. Why not? Why have they not committed to Lamar Jackson? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I think it's an open question. I have my own opinions, um, but this adds like an entirely new element on top of it. A lot more pressure for. Baltimore and it will be extremely interesting to me I assume they're just going to bend over at the end but they're going to have to bend over quite a bit further than they would have had they just made this deal before the Allen deal or even right after the Allen deal yeah totally agree and it's like too man this this uh this deal the Browns put forth into Joe and to Lamar and your point here it's just a deal that made people squirm in their chair because now it's like you don't love me like they love him Right. Right. Like that's an argument point. Yes. You don't love me like they love him or you would do this. And that causes a little bit of dissension and, you know, sprinkling a little chaos into the order. Right. And I I uh, really do feel like that relationship with Baltimore and Lamar is a different deal than what you have with, uh, you know, uh, with the Chargers, uh, what you have with Burrow. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it's a it's been a different dynamic, which I think is why you don't have another deal. And so I am fascinated by what they're going to do in terms of Lamar. And I wonder um, if he's going to go ahead and play this whole year out on the on the deal that he has. Nobody yep. said a word about it, but um, we got a long way to go till camp here that, you know, at least two months. Yeah, and Lamar has made it clear that he wants to be there. Just tweeted out the other day, but like it's a bottom line business and you know, the Ravens can keep tagging him and it can turn into a Dak Prescott type of situation where they just keep tagging him until they figure out a deal. That could happen. Nothing could ultimately change. He holds them over a barrel, which it does. That's what happened in Dallas, right? Like, I mean, they could have signed Dak for 25 million a year two years ago and he waited and waited and waited and then they had him over a barrel and that's where i feel like the ravens are heading i don't think that that they're smarter than that they're not it is though it is though john a a wildly important year for lamar i mean he's been an mvp he's had nice seasons but but the last two have not been (laughs) as good it's all i'm saying if he doesn't have a really good year and he's gifted. We like Lamar. This is a pro Lamar podcast. He's a good, good, great football player. But if you're looking at bargaining points, you have another 16 touchdown, 13 interception season, and you're starting to lose some ground to be like, I need that deal. So he needs to have a good season. Now, the health of everybody around him would help, but he needs to be better. I think that that's probably something Baltimore's in their offices considering a little bit. Hey man, Josh Allen was ascending, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, even though he sat out 21, pretty clearly ascending. Um, Lamar, you know, has a great first year starting. It's kind of been a downhill efficiency slide for him. And that doesn't mean he can't still not good, but does his game as his body wears and he gets older. You get what I'm going with this. Like me, it's not, it's not a, it's not a style that is going to age gracefully. Put it that way. No, and let me, uh, you know, and again, like nobody has been 
maybe well you know again like brett Favre and i get the credit he deserves for being the slippery guy he was uh, you know he was hard to sack and he was hard to hit hard lamar runs and has those same qualities so i'll give that to him but let me ad lib on you i'm gonna hit you with this jake all right redraft the afc quarterbacks right now where does lamar end up dude let's do that right now let's just ad lib that right now okay all right we'll go back and forth we'll go back and forth and we have done guys we've done no planning on this so don't don't get don't yell at us so all right somebody ranked the afc quarterbacks post so okay i want to look at this list let's draft our top six a pull up a list in front of you are you able to do that Yep. I'm going to send you this link here. Um, and again, we are doing this 100% on the fly. I'm texting you this link right now, John, so you can have a list of the quarterbacks. This does not include Mahomes. Um, and for example, this list here in front of us has Baker Mayfield at 11. Can you shoot so, it through? Uh, can you shoot it through Twitter so I can grab it on the yeah. DM? Yeah. Yep. Got it. All right. So send it over to John and we're going to start. So start at number. Okay. We'll go with number one. I think you and I can universally agree. Number one is Mahomes, and it's really hard to tough top Mahomes. It's just Agreed. listen. I think pa- I think Patrick Mahomes has a really unique football season in front of him. Where this is the one thing that I've taught that like on the fly, the Chiefs can change who they are without Tyreek Hill. But what it does is it shrinks Mahomes' margin for error, his margin of effort, style of play. He needs to be a tighter quarterback now, in my opinion. Better decision making, better timing. And he can do it because he's great. But I think there's going to be more pressure on Mahomes to be really great and and for them to call better plays. Think back to the Browns game, how different that Browns game is if Mahomes rolling right, chucks it up, and, and John Johnson doesn't not find the football. How different Correct. is that game? Correct. It's completely different. So their margin for error shrinks. I still think Mahomes is the most gifted quarterback we've seen enter the league and play. His numbers are ridiculous to start his career. He's already on in a Hall of Fame path. Like He's great. I just think that... It's an interesting Mahomes year, is all hold I'll on. say. Put now hold way. on one second. Let's let's set a rule here because we gotta understand how we're doing this. Do we wanna redraft for the twenty twenty two season or do are we redrafting for we're drafting in perpetuity, like the okay. rest of their careers? Okay. okay. All right. So Mahomes is one. Don't think you and I can argue that. On this right. list, Burrow's two. I'm sorry. I like Joe Burrow a lot. A lot. Big Joe Joe Burrow fan here. Okay. Don't care that he plays for another franchise. I think Sean Watson's better. I just do. I just, I just, I just do the way, and I'll put this, and a lot of people have asked me, hey, man, are you going to do a film room on Deshaun? And yeah, of course. But I really, if this is the guy that I'm going to be watching play for the Browns for the next 10 years plus, I'm going back and watching every snap. So I'm putting them all clips away in file folders. I will have a gigantic film room for you after the draft. It'll be sometime over the summer. Sorry, that's not fast, but watching a thousand snaps of a guy, I'm not just going to watch a couple games and be like, hey, here's who he is. I got to watch it all. So that'll come. I think right now from what I've consumed, I like I like Joe Burrow. I think Joe's going to be great, but Deshaun does more on a football field. Just does. Just does more on a football field and has every bit the pocket maneuverability Joe does and is as good a downfield passer. And um, if, you know, I, I, like, I like Joe, but – he got some help. He's got some help, man, at the wide receiver position. Now, they're going to help him a ton more with the offensive line. But, again, I personally, me, am putting Watson 2 and Burrow 3. What are you doing? Similar ages, ironically enough. Pretty similar ages. 
Which is wild, right? And wild. That, that's where you talk about, you know, why age matters. Now, um, I Let me get the official numbers on this uh, real quick. Joe Burrow's age, 25 years. He turns 26 this year, December 10th. Deshaun is, I believe, 26 right now and turns 27 September 14th. He's just a year older. So, yeah. Wild. So, um, so I'm going to go Deshaun 2. I'm going to go Herbert 3. Yeah, this is wild. Okay, so I actually don't know if I like Joe Burrow too. I'm re- this is what we're doing on the fly. We didn't prep for this. I'm actually going to go Okay. I'm going to step back, all right? I'm going Mahomes 1, Josh Allen 2. I think Josh Allen's fucking sorry, I'm cussing. He's really good. I think I, he's really I him, good. I don't I think you're four. as far along the line four. I am. Okay, I think he's really good, so I would go Allen 2 Watson three, Mahomes, sorry, Jesus, Mahomes one, Allen two, mm, Deshaun three, Burrow four, Herbert five. That's my top five. All right. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I think I would go, and I'm, I'm even stressing about putting, uh, you know, Burrow above Russell Wilson to be perfectly honest, but I, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a little bit of a leap. And I am gonna take Burrow because we're doing the perpetuity. Even if we were if we were doing like th- four years, uh, I would not put this in order. I would I would have Russell Wilson ahead of him. Yes. Um, so, but because we have it in perpetuity, I'm gonna give a slight edge to Burrow, and then I'm gonna have Russell Wilson. So um, you're give me your five, Mahomes. I got Mahomes. I got Watson. Then I have Herbert. Then I have Allen. Then I have um, Burrow. Then I okay. have Russell. So your si- the sixth one is the interesting one. Correct. The sixth one is either hey man, is it Lamar or Russell Wilson? That's what the question is. Would you rather have Lamar for the next? No, Lamar's still pretty young. I think Lamar's only twenty five. Uh, he was. He was pretty Lamar. young. He was pretty young. Yeah, yeah. he's just turned twenty five in January, so he's still Joe Burrow's age. Watson's age. He's young. Would you rather have him for the next eight years or would you rather have Russell Wilson for the next seven? I would go Lamar then Russell Wilson uh, moving down the line. Like I'm just telling you who I would take right now. Right. And, and run forward with them season after season. But this is an interesting debate where it's like, okay, so if Lamar's the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the, in the AFC, conference, in the conference, in the AFC, Right, it's like hmm. You gonna pay him fifty million a year? Exactly. You see where we're going with this? Yep. Now I'm so, going. I'm going Russell Wilson. By the way, okay. so I respect um, that. you know, um, it's it's close, but I'm going Russell Wilson, and then I'm taking Lamar, and uh, I think that, uh, and I'm glad that we went through this exercise because I think it really kind of exemplifies the position that the Ravens are in. And I think that they understand that too. And I think that you're seeing that in the fact that he doesn't have that long-term contract right now. Yeah. If it was a blank check, it'd be done. If it was a blank check, it'd be done. So, um, and again, I think you're weighing things with Lamar that you don't necessarily weigh with the way other guys play like a large. And again, that's what makes Lamar a unicorn. That's what makes the Ravens so difficult to defend. But like a boxer, the body blows add up. They add up and I know he doesn't take a ton of hits, but he takes some hits. He doesn't, he's good at that, avoiding big hits, but he's getting hit. And eventually it's going to add 
up. He's not nobody. Unless you're LeBron, you're not an infallible athlete. Like you eventually can take so many hits, man. And like, I, we'll see what happens. I, I, he's great. And I'm not trying to do the, Hey, you can't play this style of football. Cause other guys get hurt in the pocket. I get it. I'm just saying the guys, we don't have an example. I guess put it this way. We don't have an example of a guy like Lamar having long-term quarterback success, the way he plays triple option, uh, different things. He does that in that Randall, regard. Randall, maybe, maybe, but they didn't really accentuate. Like they didn't run this offense, right? They ran, yeah, you know, true. the NFL's true, archaic true. nature. They were running on yeah. uh, five step drops and, and they're yeah. under center play action. Yeah, like, it's buddy like, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like he's guiding legitimate dash and, and, and pen pull and all these different, uh, you know, you know, quarterback counters and like, he's doing, heavy lifting in the run game. Now, does that change over time? Sure. But then it puts a lot of pressure on the fallacies that are the way he throws. And he's, he reads a football field well, and I think he's been a perpetually underrated thrower of the football, but there are limitations to what his arm can do. So can I put this in too? Yeah. I want to put this in too. One thing that, you know, and I love the studies. All right. Like I love the data guys who put the time in off season is awesome for that. You get like the new studies using the new information. One thing it's not even from this year, it's from last year. And I fought against it a bit because I was, uh, I was pushing Baker's uh, resurgence in 2020, but most of the data really, really says that, you know, come year two, you're um, you're looking at a lot of what you're going to get out of that quarterback with very, very rare exception. And so what that would say is that there's not some new next level for Lamar being in going into year five. If you're expecting some big change in passing efficiency and those kind of things that's not really warranted. So mm-hmm. uh, by the history of uh, the NFL quarterbacks. So yep. I think that that's something that a smart team like Baltimore is, uh, is thinking about. So yeah, just they're just, cons- they're considering all of it. And I agree. Yeah. That that's why we are where we are now. Um, we, we got a good topic here and we're going to do a real quick break for a couple of sponsors, but um, I want to, I want to close with a really uh, fun topic. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so as we come back and close, there's a topic that is built off of contract discussions and that you and I have touched on, but I think we need to touch on it again because I, I don't know if I've ever seen you get ratioed, John, but you were you were borderline ratioed for your take today, <laughs> which is which is spicy and one that I've told even when uh, Jack Duffin who's going to be uh, you know a part of some things we do um, in the in the future uh, exciting stuff coming with Jack like he's he was outward about this and I said Jack hey man you need to be careful you know people with the with this topic point it could get spicy for you so he talked about it you talked about it unprompted I didn't even bring it up to you but this idea of trading Denzel Ward like I know I know the the benefits um, of moving him what that can look like totally understand but uh do you think they do it? You know, we've talked about some things here and we're going to talk about them here in a minute, but like, do you think they do it? Do you think there's an actual element of them considering doing this? Cause I'm going to read the quote here from uh, Andrew Barry. So he said uh, this, according to a Mary Kay Cabot article, just, just the other day, Barry, Barry declined to say where things stand with Ward, which is again, not out of the normal. He doesn't talk about contracts, but I just want to uh, read you guys this quote. Who's heading into his fifth year option and season on extension talks. Denzel, we obviously like him. Barry said he's a homegrown guy. I won't comment uh, specifically in terms of where we are with him. So, you know, I thought the homegrown guy quote was interesting to me just to to say that, right? Like not only is, is Denzel Ward uh, a homegrown drafted Browns player here, but he's Ohio state guy. He's, he's even further than that. And I know we've said it here is he's an, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Cleveland guy by nature, right? Like, he did he go where where did Denzel go to school up there? He was in um, Cleveland, I think. Uh, was he? He wasn't at the Ginn School, was he? He he was at uh, Nordonia. So he's oh my god, really? I wrestled against that school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. So he's a Nordonia guy. So he is Northeast Ohio, Central Ohio Buckeye guy uh, in his college. Yeah, like he's as homegrown as gets. So my thing has always been, John. You know, the idea of moving Ward, like you guys are talking about, if they can get that type of return. You know, I don't know because of the contract situation. I don't know what the return totally could be. It would be built around a first round pick. Some people have mentioned multiple ones. I don't think he yields the same return as Jalen Ramsey and Jamal Adams because those guys were hyped as the top guys at their position. But you could get back a one and something else. People are interested in that. And to me, I think that is interesting. But there's a lot of elements of what the Browns are trying to do here, which is as far as they can possibly do it, honor the contracts they signed and B, if they get a guy, he, he shows up to be one of the better players at his position, rewarding him with the second contract and the element of like, this guy is a little bit more than just a uh, Arkansas pick, right? Like he's got deep connections to Ohio and Northeast Ohio, and he's an active, active part of the community. So I think this is a really difficult choice, and I, I I go both directions on this. I could see where they could do it, um, but I also lean the other way of like the 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 bad air quotes here again, whatever way you we go with this. But there's bad press that they've constantly been receiving with the Watson decision. 
And then it's like, oh, and they also traded Denzel Ward, who's done everything right. And he's a Northeast Ohio guy by nature and all of that. Then it's like, man, that's a lot of bad press. So that to me is an opportunity to, and again, Denzel's a great football player, not an elite one yet, but a great football player who still has some levels to unlock. So it's not like you can't justify it from a, a going forward situation too, but like they're cognizant of some things. I think it would do some real good for them, uh, locking him in as the secondary player, um, you know, the secondary stalwart to, to Miles Garrett as the, the cornerstone of your defense. But then there's like, I know, I get it, man, like J.C. Jackson, the ruthless Stefan Gilmore type things. Like they're, you know, coaches that Belichick's an operation guy like that who will say, hey, man, thanks for your service, but we got to do what's best for us and our cat flexibility. So I understand that angle. And there's also two, the Browns are always team extend early. And if they would have extended early, it would have happened last offseason. Now, Jack has painted this picture that if a deal is going to come, John, it would be, you know, don't worry about the deal not happening right now. It's it's usually they deal with these types of deals in the summer. And it's not like the Browns have not had a massive amount of stuff on their plate preparing for the draft and pulling off the trade they pulled off. So if we get through this summer and there's no deal, I have a hard time feeling good about an in-season deal. They've done in-season deals, but I just have a hard time with it. So I guess what I'm asking you is how, like, what odds do you put on a decision like that being made? Like, I know you've, you've teased it and why you would do it, but like, do you really think they'll do it? So uh, here's how I break this down, right? Let's let's take all the information that we have. Uh, what we've got is um, let's do the pre-Watson understanding of the Browns and Denzel, right? Now, how the Browns approach these uh, long-term guys with the uh, you know uh, excellent age, they want to sign guys. The, the reason that they prioritize age is so they can sign these guys to a third deal. Right. That's that's the only reason you would really care so much about age like they do um, is because you you could extend another year in their age guardrails if you were only worried about a second contract. That's not a big deal. Um, So what I would say is it, it, it does matter that they did not extend him last year. Right. And you would say, okay, they got the injury history and stuff like that to me, like. I, you know, I think that's the kind of stuff you mostly ignore, although they do like talk about availability and that kind of stuff. But I think over a long enough timeline, you don't worry about the soft tissue issues. So um, they did not extend him. This is pre Watson. Uh, They left themselves open. And I think that I would have extended Denzel last year. I definitely would have because I would have thought I could get a deal. Uh, Maybe they couldn't find a number that they both agreed on. That kind of stuff. Anyway, as he sits, he's a guy who is just under elite, um, who has had, you know, some availability issues. Now you've got the Deshaun Watson. Now you have jumped from, you know, having a, a rookie QB deal to now paying top of the line, um, top five quarterback money deal. Now you're in a very different spot in terms of how you manage your cap. Denzel is the one asset that they have that they can trade with no penalty uh, mm-hmm. that is worth quite a bit of money. So, uh, you know, to me, I think that they have already exhibited some reluctance in holding him long term. Otherwise, he'd already be under wraps on a new deal, 
before they saw some of these deals. Some of these deals, though, in my opinion, have helped the Browns in terms of negotiations if they were looking for a, a you know a a lower deal, something under twenty million dollars a year. I think a J.C. Jackson deal for sixteen um, certainly hurts. Denzel in my mind and the Packers are we're, we're basically in like this little um, you know standoff with the Packers where who's going to make the deal first in terms of signing their their cornerback from that draft so the Packers have still not signed their guy even you know and obviously for obvious reasons they've paid a ton of money to uh, Aaron Rodgers they have a different cap situation it'll be very interesting to see what happens when one of these cornerbacks signs a deal in terms of you're asking me like what is the percentage that they would make this deal I think when you make the Deshaun Watson deal and you've already ex- uh, you know exhibited some reluctance to commit this long-term deal you know the idea that you could trade um, an asset and pick up some of the um, some of the picks that you have just let go out the door for that quarterback has to be uh, very interesting. It just depends on the market. Is there somebody that wants them bad enough? Like, and you wonder, is there somebody in the AFC West in that crazy arms race that's going to make a deal? You know, there's there's two couple, you know, at least two very very good cornerbacks at the top of the uh, draft this year. Once those guys are taken, um, Denzel becomes the premier. Um, you know, cornerback that might be available in that kind of uh, trade and then sign to a long-term deal that uh, you could see probably happening in the AFC West. Now, uh, in terms of the actual percentage, here's what I'm going to put on it. I'm going to put it at... I'm going to put it at 45%. I think it's close. I think they're very ready. I think it's 45%, and I think it really just – I think they're 100% willing, and it just depends on if somebody is willing to pay the price. And I think, uh, you know, my target, like the thing I floated earlier today was, you know, if if you could get Jacksonville to give you Chenault plus uh, their first rounder next year, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't even blink – he'd be out the door if you could if you could trade Denzel you grab um you know a fantastic little piece in Chenault and uh and grab a bad team's first round pick for next year Mm -hmm. there's there's no question in my mind that I make that deal so um it it would be interesting if they were interested in that Uh, I just don't know like so I'm gonna put it at 45 percent but like with the uh, the caveat that it it's only about if there's a trade partner. I think if there's a trade partner willing to give a, a one plus, one plus a player, one plus a third, one, you know, one plus, uh, I, I don't think I need to even go higher than one plus a third. If there was a trade partner willing to do that, I think they, they ship him. Um, I think that people don't quite understand, like, um, when you look at the number of players that we have making top salaries, when you talk about Miles, you talk about uh, Deshaun, you talk about uh, Cooper, you talk about, uh, you know, Chubb even, um, you know, uh, the guards that we have, right? 
those mm-hmm. that just those ones that I mentioned, that's already really your cap as a good team, like that many players making top, top money. Um, and that's really, I think what it comes down to is that I think that Denzel is a shade under elite and he's going to command elite money. And it's something that this team is not going to be able to afford. And people are going to be hurt. People are going to be upset when I hear that. But like, if I don't see how this team can afford a sixth premier player making elite money when he's he's not elite (laughs) i he's an excellent excellent corner i would love to have him on my team for the next 10 years but don't talk to me that he's elite he's not elite yeah you you can get there you can get there he's just not there yet maybe he's not maybe i don't see him ever being darrell revis i don't see him ever being uh you know ramsey and maybe those are hall of fame level and not elite you know like elite Mm -hmm. is talking about like who the best is during your time in the NFL, and I'm comparing against basically all-time greats, I think, um, um, you know, like, I think, you know, when it's all said and done, Ramsey is going to be one of the great, great cornerbacks of our time. Uh, Darrell Rivas was absolutely one of the best of all time. Um, So maybe it's unfair to make that kind of a comparison. I personally don't think he's ever going to get to that level. And I wonder that their lack of commitment to him so far means that they don't see him getting there. You know, what's interesting is I look at this and, you know, most of these contracts, because I was going to ask you the question, do you think now that they, they got Watson, because when they signed the deals that they signed, the big three, Betonio and Treader, sorry, Betonio and Teller and Nick Chubb last year, None, none of those were with Watson in mind. You just couldn't, you couldn't Correct. predict that. Yeah. Do you, do you think they regret any of those deals now that they have this guy that can overcome a lot of these things? It's an interesting way to think. I think they for what, sure do some things differently. I would agree. At least. But, but what I will say is I was, as you were talking, I was looking at contract numbers like miles contract doesn't really kick in until 23 and they can put him like he has a 12 million cap hit next year, 12, nine. He's in 23 jumps to 29, but they can put that off for one year because what happens is John Johnson's off the books uh, after 23. Like they have a two year window here of, of like if they push Watson down the line one more year where they can go all the way in before money kicks in, but then they get guys off the books. Like if you look at Betonio, um, and I don't, I don't know. I think Joel's going to probably retire here. He's going to find some way to stick around, but like Joel's next few cap hits. So like 22, it's a, it's a, a, th- a 6 million number, but then it jumps to 14, 23, but then in 20, uh, before the 24 season, he can be let go with a 16. If you post June one, him a 16 million savings and a 3 million dead cap. Okay. That's one you can do. If you look at teller, it's structured the same way after the 23 season, he is a, a a guy who can be moved before 24. He'll have, if they do it before June 1, it'd be a 6.7 and uh, dead money and a 10 million savings. But if they post one him, he's like another 14 million savings and a 3.3 dead. So like they could come off of his 24, 17 million and 25, 18 million cap hits if they wanted to. The same with Nick Chubb. Um and I hate I hate that we're the point already looking at Nick Chubb's way out of his contract because I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to paint a, a broad window picture for hey, you here. You know, I hear you, Jake, and I 100% agree that they can make it work. My question to you back would be, 
what's changed between last year and up until the Watson uh, trade where they they could have made that deal. They could have already done this. What's changed now that you have, uh, you know, Watson? What's changed now that is now going to make you commit the money that you could have committed last year, that you could have committed before uh, free agency started? What has changed in their mind that would make them make a deal that they weren't willing to make just a few weeks ago? It's a very fair question. I don't, I don't think anything has changed. I mean, they're tighter financially now. I guess the picture I was trying to paint is if they, if they signed him this summer or in season, they could push his cap hit into they the 24 sure season. They and like, sure it could financially work to say, okay, we'll move on. We got to draft really well, but we can move on from Betonio or just super restructure Betonio down to something feasible or stomachable when he's 33, 34 years old. Cause I would just really love for Joel to retire a Brown. Like I just I think he will. I think I just will. would love that. Um, but then you can move Teller, you can move off of Chubb. You're moving off a lot of bigger deals. And then miles and Denzel would kick in and you're supplementing, you know, this is where we've talked about this so much, John, and over the years of like, the, now that you have the quarterback, this is when the real draft talent, skill of a draft, a GM and selecting. Roster, and you, roster you, management in general, you know. This is where you got to be good. You got to yeah. be really good. And where right. the Rams have been really good, even though they've moved a ton of picks. Where the Rams about have this been with fantastic Risden. for years. Yes, yes. Now when you get that big quarterback contract, you have got to shuffle in draft guys. So – that's that's just interesting. I was just kind of looking at like, okay, how could they fit him in? Well, they can move off of these deals. I'm with you though. Nothing has changed. There clearly to me is a difference in the in, in the contract number. Now, again, I'm going to be patient. It's completely feasible that these guys could get together this summer and work out a deal because now they can actually, after the draft, focus on it. You know, there was so much going on between the end of the year Fair and enough. Baker. And all of that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, what's the time? To, oh, yeah, like Miles signed over the summer. You know, like, I think when they look at those deals, there's an in season point when they look at them, and then there's a summer when they try to look at them. So maybe it happens. But then again, maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't happen and they know it's going that direction, to your point, I have a hard time seeing the Browns just let Denzel Ward hit the market. You know, like they would probably tag him. Like, I don't know. It just, to me, I have a hard time seeing him. Like the Browns get nothing in return for Denzel. Just oh, all right, man. Go right. ahead and hit or the market. Like, or, or a top of the line third. You know, uh, you know, yeah. That's story pick. I don't see that as an option. I think either we're going to see a deal in the next two months, or he's going to get traded in the next two months. It would surprise yeah. me quite a bit to have them play out his fifth year and let him walk. Yeah, me too. I'm with you on that. And that's the same thing that a lot of free agents like. You should be focusing on free agents the Browns can sign who do not carry comp pit cancellations. They're going to go about now that they've lost their first and then another additional pick next year of like, we have to get like a clowny going somewhere else would be huge for them to get a pick back. They'll, they'll really try to go after guys who have been cut because yep. then you don't cancel out the comp picks that you get back. And now every single pick is so freaking valuable. It's so valuable to them. So I don't know, man. I think we covered a lot of stuff here, a lot of interesting topics. I really enjoyed getting into the quarterback stuff midway through and kind of ranking those guys because I haven't done it. We could we could deep dive on that over the summer. But, uh, yeah, this was fun. This is good stuff, good content in terms of what we are, you know, focusing on with the contracts going forward. And, um, 
you know, looking at the Denzel thing, I think is fascinating too. So uh, good show, John. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun, man. Uh, let's, uh, you know, I, I missed last week cause of some sickness. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, every Friday going forward because uh, it's always a good break. Love it, man. Life happens. We uh, roll with the punches. A little Friday audible last week. We'll, uh, every time John's willing to come on, we'll always have John on. So, uh, it's, uh, it's good stuff, John. I appreciate you, bro. Okay, thanks to John for coming on today. Thanks to you guys for checking out the show. A reminder of what's coming up over the weekend. Put together a film room of this Browns backup center, Ethan Pochich, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, have a ton of clips of his work in Seattle, and uh, I won't give anything away on that. Make sure you check that out, and hopefully we see a player or two added so we can keep talking about that in some form or fashion and have some banter around uh, an important addition. So I feel like this is going to happen when we least expect it, much like uh, most Browns news is you, you you don't really have any idea or inkling it's coming. But anyway, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep plugging forward, have some probably a, a, a piece of content over the weekend for you. Some, some, some show in uh, one form or fashion, get a guest on and check that out over the weekend. But otherwise guys have a great Friday. I appreciate you checking in and uh, in, enjoying this show because I think most people tend to enjoy this one during the week. So good to get John back on and, and, and uh, get his thoughts on a lot of different topics. So, like I said, have a great weekend, a great Friday, first of all, then a great weekend. I appreciate you stopping by the support you give to the OBR. So, um, you know, stay well, stay happy, have a great weekend, and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.